Hey everyone, welcome to Contest Prep University. I'm Joe Klimczewski with Adam Atkinson, and we're gonna start a new series. It's gonna be a little bit longer form. It is called Coaching Behind the Scenes. And my idea for this, as I was telling Adam, is that we understand that a lot of coaches watch our, our uh, channel, as well as a lot of clients. And sometimes we're giving information to one group or the other, clients or coaches, and I thought we could do a series that kind of brings everybody together and really helps the client understand what it's like to be a coach. What's it like from our perspective so that you can understand some of the decisions we have to contemplate, some of the moves we have to strategize, and maybe that'll help you understand your coach a little bit better, have a better relationship with your coach. Maybe in the future as you work with other coaches, you're going to have a better idea of what to look for. But uh, Adam, what I want to chat about in this first episode of this series is client communication modeling. How do we actually even decide how we communicate with clients? And the irony is, as I was the, the first online coach to create this model and do it as a full-time business, almost everything I've ever done has just been copied for the last 15 to 20 years. I, I rarely find anybody doing anything differently. And even I have evolved to several iterations better than what I was 15 or 20 years ago. But I, I think there has to be kind of an open discussion of what this even looks like and why does it have to be a certain way. So I've got this, this chat broken up into a couple categories, and I, I thought it'd be better to just talk about it in the flow of which we engage our clients. So the first being the, the whole connection process. Um, recently, I've noticed, Adam, that when a client is kind of feeling me out to see if this is somebody I want to hire, they'll even tell me up front, I'm contacting a bunch of coaches, and I want to see who's the right fit. Sometimes I'll even see that it's like blind copied, like they're just hitting, you know, who knows how many coaches at once and just seeing who comes back with the best answer or so. So it's almost like an audition. Mm -hmm. but, uh, but, but what is your perspective and how do you handle that? How, you know, how are you communicating with these clients who are inquiring and, and what kind of information and even what format? Is it all email? Do you jump on the phone with them, a video chat? How, how do you first engage a potential client? It's a good way to learn about the client. You, a lot of times, especially if they've worked with somebody before, they kind of tell you the prime reason, like maybe they left that coach or um, maybe for whatever reason it didn't work out. Um, you know, a majority of our inquiries are because they're their coach micromanaged them or uh, their prep was too strict. You know, we're kind of known as like the grandfather flexible dieting over here. So people know that we typically use a flexible dieting approach. Now I do have a few people that do prefer a meal plan or they're into the flexible dieting and they want some more structure and we do that. But it, it's a really good time to feel out your client, um, jump on the phone with them, um, decide if you guys are going to be a good fit. Um, I have other coaches as well. So sometimes I do get on the phone. And if somebody is uh, maybe newer, I, I might actually refer them to Zach Cat or Roseanne, depending on what their goals are. But uh, about three times this week, we've had people who we have referred out to, because I felt like personally, I wasn't going to be the best fit for them. And the client overall was happy with that because now they're working with someone who will be a good fit for them. 
Yeah, and, and I'll tell you where this really comes up as a factor because it happened to me this week. Uh, back in the day, 15 or so years ago, when I was starting, probably closer to 20, but 15 maybe where I was doing this really full-time with, with two to 300 clients on my, my training roster at a time, but it seemed like email was enough. And maybe that's because the whole digital revolution was also just getting started and people were just getting used to social media and everybody was just getting their first smartphone. So, you know, the, the written communication was, was a little bit of a safety net, it seemed like we both, we didn't have to wait for phone calls to be scheduled. We didn't have to leave each other voicemail back and forth. You could just rapid fire this information. And so, I just rarely did anything else. I, it's, it's surprising how few times I would actually get on the phone with somebody. Then, as people got more and more used to that, that type of communication, I think it became pretty, pretty well accepted that it was a little bit less personal. And it was sometimes surprising that when you get on the phone with somebody or in a video chat that, wow, that was really cool. You get to hear their voice. You get to put that name to a face. And so, that became almost the preferred mode of communication. If you're quote serious, if you're going to really give me the, the respect and, and time that I deserve, you would at least jump on the phone with me. So I started doing more of that. And now with video chat, that, that can be even more helpful because now you have the mirror neurons, you're looking at, at body language and facial expression, all that. But here's, here's why that's important, Adam. I had a client that was referred to me and I, th there was a little bit of skepticism in my mind that I would be the best coach for this person. And so I thought, you know, there's, there's a lot of things I just want to make sure I convey. So I said, hey, let's jump on the phone. And all of my fears were confirmed in the fact that this was a general population client who I thought would need a lot of support, a lot of education. And I, I worried for her if I was going to be the right person. But I bet on me being able to overcome those obstacles, me being able to take the time, do what she needed, and bring her along. This is somebody who, who wanted to lose more than 150 pounds. It's a true life and death situation. So I thought, man, I, I, I can't just say no. I, I'm going to do what it takes to help this person succeed. But through our written communication and through our first phone call, which I would call kind of a discovery call where, you know, she hasn't hired me yet. There's no professional relationship, but I wanted to see what would transpire with that better level of communication. Then when I sent her her programming, which we're going to chat about soon, uh, there were, there were, there was a lot of confusion, some rapid fire, frustrated email. And I said, okay, let's jump on a video chat. Let's just this. Now I want to see you face to face. I need to bring the temperature down a little bit because she's really frustrated. And, and Adam, that, that truly worked in terms of by the end of that session, she was happy. We saw eye to eye. Uh, everything was great. And then three days later, uh, I just had to say, look, here's a refund. You, you need a different coach because she was, she, was, she was so negative and was just not willing to take the time and I won't get into all of that. I'm, I'm not interested in, in assigning blame to either of us, but through my written communication, through my phone call communication, and even a video chat, I kept seeing over and over that this is just going to be a tough person for me. As I said, I, I rolled the dice. I was willing to try, but in the end, I was right in my intuition and, and it just wasn't going to work out. So on this whole onboarding process, when, you're, when you have a client, potential client, trying to make that decision, 
do you find yourself trying to quote sell? Are you like, man, I'm going to put my best foot forward. I'm going to make sure she knows I'm the best coach. And, and you feel like you're in this capitalistic grab where you've got to be the first one to get that yes, or you're going to lose money. And that affects your bottom line. It affects your staff and your growth. Or do you just not care about that? I'd be like, like, what's your mindset going into that, that pitching process? Yeah, honestly, if you do feel that kind of anxiety, I find that it won't work out for you in the long run. Um, I, I, I just find the more relaxed you are in a sales situation, the better off you're going to be, the more you're able to listen and communicate with the client. But, you know, it is, uh, it's difficult because there, it, it's so much better now that I have my staff because just like you said, sometimes on a phone call, there can just be this red flag of, do I want to work with this person or not? And if I get a few red flags, I'm usually going to refer them out because uh, if I take that person on, both of us lose. So, um, you know, I'm, even though if I didn't want this client, I'm still going to be upset that they're gone. Uh, that's just how I am. Um, and I, I accept that as a failure that I couldn't help somebody. Uh, and sometimes we know we can't help people. So that's where I really do like to refer out. Um, you know, sometimes in sales calls, you get really good competitors who reach out and you know that they're shopping around. Um, recently, I just had a girl who actually accidentally wrote the wrong team name. I would like to join your team. So I knew she was, uh, you know, emailing 10 different coaches. And uh, so that was kind of funny. But you, you do eventually find what your um, fit is. A lot of times with competitors, there becomes a, a sense of being realistic on what their stage goal is. And I just had a call with a girl she wanted to do December and like she called me this week and I was like, I'm sorry, but if you want to do December, I'm not the right coach for you because you're just not going to be ready and uh, that won't work out for anybody. And not to say everyone needs to get on stage and be shredded like for first time competitors. Sometimes it's just about, you know, seeing where you can put your best foot forward and get on stage. But this girl wanted to win. And I was like, if you're only giving me to December, we're probably not going to win. And did you find, was that conversation, did you then open that up? And, and did she say, well, maybe that's not my best decision. Let's talk about that. Or was it pretty much that's what she I wanted to do and it was over? I did, but I think there were a lot of people who already told her what she wanted to hear. Right, right. <laughs> so the, the important thing in, in this first part of the discussion in client communication methods and, and just the, the entire process is, is how you first even meet this person. And as clients potentially reaching out for coaches, this is what I want you guys to hear. It's a, it's a two-sided conversation where we're both trying to figure out if we're going to work well together. And this is your chance to really ask those questions. Don't, don't be so open-ended to say, you know, hey, what's your process or do you do this or that? You really dig in, follow up, ask some questions, like a conversation, an interview. And this is where I think it really is helpful to, to jump on the phone, where you can really process information uh, very uh, you know, effectively. You're, you're having those responses back and forth. But um, on the second part of a client communication process, Adam, is that person has now hired you, and now you have all this information. And you know, there's, there's a, 
a little bit of a decision point, you know, how much do I send at first? Do I just pile all this stuff on or do I not want to overwhelm them and send just a couple things at a time? And you and I, in our minds, have what a typical onboarding process looks like. This is, we know, you know, for most people, it's going to take this much time and communication to get things set up, established, understanding that flow of communication. But, but, in terms of just pure communication, how do you provide the programming and what kind of Q&A follow-up is involved with that? Yeah, so that's where a lot of most of the work comes in is right in the beginning with clients. So I have them send daily food logs so we can look at their meal timing, spacing, all those things, making sure that they're um, logging food correctly, measuring food correctly, I think after a while, though, people forget that they did that when they started with me, and uh, they they want to go back to investigating that stuff and making sure that it's perfect again. But it, you really have to individually look at somebody's schedule and look at how their day flows, make sure that they're uh, fueling their body properly and well, and maybe not consuming you know 60 grams of protein in one meal. Um, even though I would rather that than them not hit their intake, uh, just explaining that. And then you nailed it because it really is hard with your more advanced clients and then your brand new clients. How much do you send someone out the gates? Um, oftentimes on phone calls, I've asked clients not to do training with me yet until they get the nutrition down first. So even though it's less of a sale, I know that that client's going to be ultra overwhelmed if we do everything at once because now they're worried about, you know, their sets and reps and their intensity along with, I don't even know how to track macros. So um, it, if you have someone who feels like they don't know what they're doing all day long, that's really defeating. So as a client, here's something that I think is very important. Uh, no matter how I have tried to simplify this process over 20 years, it is still a real challenge to get people to thoroughly read everything, look at all of the documents, look at the instructions before making uh, you know, a list of questions or before allowing any sense of overwhelm to sink in. And I'll go back to that client I was just talking about. And, and again, knowing that she was pretty intense, there was a lot of anxiety and frustration, even in her first communication with me, a lot of desperation. I made sure I had those initial phone calls and so forth, got all the uh, assessment information I needed. Then I sent her her programming document, which is a one-page document, and I'm giving her the macronutrient breakdown. I'm explaining the flow of communication. I'm even dabbling into the training and cardio that we may talk about later but it's kind of an overview framework of everything you need. Then I send her the couple spreadsheets that I want her to, to fill out. One is, a, of course, a, a cumulative summary where we're going to have all of the data and trend lines we can analyze over time. But then I also sent a, a meal plan with the exact kind of schedule and foods and food sources she told me were, were appropriate for her. Then, besides a little description with kind of bullet points of everything she's included, I said, and please watch this video. I want you to read the program document, one page, watch this video, and then let's schedule a time to chat again on the phone. And uh, the video was you know, probably a six to eight minute video where I'm just explaining the whole process. Here's what you read first. Here's what this is for. Here's how this is going to work. Here's the whole flow. Uh, very much a lot of information that is 
what I would call kind of just, you know, comforting. You know, this is a, this is a day-to-day fine-tuning process. We're just getting started. We're going to, I'm going to be looking at all this stuff for you daily, blah, blah, blah. As soon as I sent that, within one to two minutes, I started getting rapid fire email. What about this? What about that? You're telling me to do what? Blah, 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 blah. And I could tell she was just reading my program document and firing off an angry email one at a time. So I said, all right, time out. Let's, let's, let's get on the phone. And, and what I want this to be an example of for our clients is, you know, would you, would you talk to a neurosurgeon that way? Would you talk to your CPA doing your taxes? Like wh- what other environment would you have so much anxiety and just contentiousness right off the bat? And for some reason, maybe in this sport, we've, we've kind of nurtured that because people just go from one coach to the other to the other, and they're looking for that magic person who's going to do everything as perfectly as they think it should be done. But at the same time, it just creates this, this level of expectation that I think is, is really unrealistic. And, and I would ask this question somewhat rhetorically, going back to that neurosurgeon example, would you rather have the best neurosurgeon in the world who you know, may not have the best bedside manner, may not give you exactly what you think you should have right at that moment, or would you rather have somebody who's in the bottom 50% just because they're a, a super nice, like high quality person giving you two hours of time a day. And I, I'm somebody who thinks that in our industry, we should provide excellent, excellent service. That's actually what I'm known for, probably even more so than very strategic academic results. But at the same time, as a client, you need to make sure that you're giving this coach a chance to really explain themselves and that you're taking the time to, to be patient and let this roll out with very good articulate questions along the way. So, so with that kind of, kind of giving you the, the bad example, uh, Adam, what's, what's, a, what, what's a better way to do this? How do you create that expectation base for a client on which you can then build? Yeah, so I, I think that's just meeting clients where they are. And uh, you reminded me when you got that email, it sounds like you probably just gave her a lot of information that made her um, anxious and she probably felt dumb and then uh, that made her angry. (laughs) So um, that can happen. And sometimes those clients, you just simply need to give a meal plan and say, let's start here for a week. Maybe we have you track your refeed. That's like your first macro day is, you know, let's, let's add, you know, 80 grams of carbs and like, let's say 15 fats but it's up to you what you pick. And uh, that can help grandfather them into that process. So I think that really it's very individual for sure. And then just uh, trying to meet clients where they are on what they need. You know, um, I just recently created a new email that's uh, see you later, leaner health at gmail.com. And basically I want my clients to CC me in that email. So I tell them three times a day, I check that. Um, I just know if you send it there, it requires like immediate attention. So um, you skip the front of the line if you go to that email. So I ask people to use it maturely and responsibly. Um, Before what we were doing was an all caps health, which you had taught me. And that worked for a long time, except for, 
um, people are not deleting the help when they send their next email. So when you hear noise, you just stop listening to the noise after a while. Um, or you're like, is this really a help or is it still the help from a couple weeks ago? So, uh, you know, that system worked for a long time, but um, I have tried to instruct my clients, delete the help. I think I did two weeks ago. And actually what happened, I missed one and a client quit. And I was like, you know what? Um, I'm going to revamp how I do this. So let's create a new email and uh, here's the parameters around it and done deal. So um, I checked like today, I had like five in there already. So I was like, this is perfect. So um, it's great because it's all categorized into one spot and I don't have to fish through my email for everything. So I think not only is it better for my clients, it's going to be better for me too. Um, we are human, we do make mistakes and I hate to lose somebody that way, but, um, I'm always willing to look into myself, reevaluate what I need to change and help. So um, yeah, that was just one instant. But I think that uh, you have to be dynamic as a coach. Um, maybe not always with your whole crew, but sometimes like individually. Um, I have clients that, you know, do need more phone calls than other people. Um, you know, one thing I've really noticed with my pros, they, they don't really need macro coaching. Like we're still giving them macros, but you know, their check-ins are very short and sweet. You lost weight, you're on pace, you're good to go. But what we're spending time on is uh, additional pro level criteria, which is, as you know, much finer detail than somebody on the amateur stage. So someone on the amateur stage, we're just trying to get lean enough. Um, hopefully get that first place and overall win. And then we start getting to that hierarchy of needs where they might need a little more um, attention to detail on stage presence and things like that. But, you know, macros and cardio, they already know how to do those things if they're winning classes. So um, it's not that someone gets more attention the things we pay attention to change and not that we ever ignore macros. There's just, there's so much less focus on that with people who are winning. We're not, we're not like uh, bypassing binge eating or anything like that with people that are winning typically. You know, it's an interesting thing in that me having started coaching 15 to 20 years ago, you eight to 10 years ago, uh, there, there is something to be said for the positive benefits of a free enterprise market system, meaning that when more and more people get involved, things will evolve and, and there is pressure. So I often teach my, my, my coaches uh, when I do business development work with them, I'll say, look, if you're just getting started, your biggest asset is time. If you take care of clients extremely well, obviously put out the boundaries and the expectations that are appropriate, but if you're taking care of them more than other people can, that's gonna be your win up to that next level. And that does put pressure on people like you and me, Adam, because things that, you know, when you're trying to do your best work and you know you are the absolute best at your craft, like every single client who contacts me, I think there is not a single coach who could be better. That's, that's my mindset going in. If, if that wasn't true, I would not be still doing this. But at the same time, I know there are other coaches out there who will be fantastic at certain things. 
And one of those that's easy is just plain customer service, literally being there in ways that you and I can't. So I think people like you and I have to make that decision. Are, are we going to take up that challenge and become better as you just did? You creating this whole new system to be able to reach out to clients you know, in need faster. That's a never ending process because as the industry uh, evolves, it, it's going to just become more replete with, with better ideas and technology, which can help everybody, but also pure competition. But again, this is my point to our clients who are listening and contemplating this with coaches. Uh, you know, when I, when I use that neurosurgeon metaphor, it wasn't to say, oh yeah, take the, take the ice cold, you know, non-communicative sociopath serial killer, as long as they do a good job, absolutely not. You, it's, it's, it's incumbent upon you as the client to say, hey, let me talk to these coaches and see who's got what personality, what their process is like, really ask those detailed questions because you are not only going to expose the, the reality that you may then live, but you have a chance to change it. You have a chance to say, look, you know, this is what I kind of want and need. I, I understand what your process is. Would it be okay you know, if I tell you that here's where I'm comfortable and you guys could come up to that mutual agreement point and it is truly that level of expectation when it's met that creates a good client consultant relationship. And if not, there's just going to be a lot of frustration. And that is the number one thing I see in terms of clients leaving coaches in frustration. I, I have not heard a single reason other, Adam, than just simply, you know, they just don't pay attention. They don't listen. Um, you know, I'm not getting enough support. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And uh, that's where we've kind of evolved, where we have a Facebook group as well. So um, I'm in there, my coaches are in there. So that can be a nice uh, home. Um, so if any coaches are listening, creating a Facebook group can be wonderful to kind of streamline some things. Now, the problem is, and you probably run into this as well, um, we tend to have more mature clients. Um, some of them don't have Facebook. So you can't make it your end all be all or some people um, may not add themselves into the group because they're shy or, um, you know, I, I had an IFBB pro sign on with me and she doesn't want her old coach to know that she's with me yet, you know, so, um, you know, I had invited her to the group and she didn't accept yet. So there's going to be things like that that um, make social media communication not your main thing. So, and that's always why I tell my clients email is always the best way to get a hold of me. And then of course, when you're in peak week, that's where we really start the text feed and making sure that you get that really immediate support for show day. Yeah, this, this, this is something that's going to continue to be a problem because as new platforms come about, everybody is just in different places. So I, I missed some critical information from a client who just out of the blue started messaging me through Instagram. And I just don't check Instagram for communication. Uh, it, it's just not my thing yet because I do with such a, a you know, consulting load, I end up in my inbox, uh, you know, most often. And so you're exactly right though, asking people to join this platform or do that or join this group plus email. You know, if, if, you're, just, if you're just one step too complicated compared to the norm, you're going to lose. 
Mm-hmm. And so there, there has to be a way for clients and coaches to decide in mass, you know, this is just the way we're going to do it. And I'm even developing kind of a, a, a unique platform that I may use personally that is just a, a place. But again, that, that would be now kind of a new platform. You would have to say, mm-hmm. well, because a lot of clients themselves may already be used to a lot of email as well, and that's just fine. Then all of a sudden I could say, hey, I got this new nifty, cool tech thing, and this is how we're going to do it. It'll be faster, easier, better. But if it's one more thing that they have to check, it, it may be a, a loser. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, so looking at how your career has evolved, just as kind of a summary to clients watching this who are in that mix, they're, you know, maybe they've already had a couple coaches, maybe they're just looking for their first one. What's that one piece of advice that you would say with, with clients and coaches and all of the challenges we see in communication and just really connecting? What's the one thing that you think is imperative for both the coach and the client to understand about the relationship? I think understand that it's dynamic and it's uh, like I would say adaptive. Um, so I, I'm not going to make you do something if I don't think you need to do it. So, um, you know, some of my clients uh, do get blood work done and we look at vitamins, minerals, things like that. Um, but if I don't think you have a deficiency, I'm not going to require you or ask you to do that. So, um, but don't be afraid to ask me, hey, I would like to do that. So can we do it? You know, if it's just for your own interests, um, just like I might carb cycle a client, and I might not another. Um, just always know that it's an adaptive, um, different relationship. And I, I truly want my clients to get what they want out of the coaching relationship. So Um, One of my clients came by to train yesterday and she was like, can you just spot check my posing really quick? And uh, I don't corner myself as the best uh, bikini posing coach in the world, but I I absolutely will help her do that because it helps her be better. So, um, you know, I would say sometimes where I get in trouble is probably I do overextend myself, but it uh, it is available and that's just always the type of person I'm going to be. Yeah, from the coaching side, that's that's my point about evolution and, and free market pressure. We we really do just have to accept the fact that we, we got to find ways to still live at the scale we want, but still provide the service other people can expect. But as a client, you have to know that there there is a a cost to work with one of the top tier coaches. And sometimes it is just that expectation. So I agree, Adam, if you know that going in, if you can say, look, I email clients all day long, do nothing else, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, or I do this, or you can always expect a reply within 24 hours, or please communicate with me this way. As long as those things are known and those expectations can be met on both sides, that's, that's the way I think everybody wins because then you can always ask for something to be modified a little bit if you need. But again, the, the thing, the, the breakdown point is always where people just feel at odds. I mean, you could, you could go into even just, marital counseling with this and yet nobody's saying anything and you just reach a breaking point and so you you walk away and say i'll find somebody better and you, you may have just left the the absolute you know best coach you could have ever had so i lost you again at the end there adam yes you did <laughs> <laughs> you got a bad connection here well let's let's just wrap it up that's 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 a sign we should wrap this up and uh we'll move on to uh another topic within this series uh behind the scenes uh in coaching so thank you guys for watching listening and we will catch you next time